Hello, and welcome to The Ponderer. My name's Aaron, and in today's podcast, we're going to get into what it's like to be a five on the Enneagram. I myself am a five on the Enneagram, and if you don't know what the Enneagram is or what I just said, uh, that's okay. Just a little bit of background. The Enneagram is a system of personality typing that has nine personalities within it, Uh, Its origins are a bit fuzzy. Um, I know from just a little bit of research that it made its way over to North America maybe a century or two ago by a priest who had gotten it from, I think, the Orthodox Church in Russia. That's a brief history of it, but it goes way back much further, um, and the details of that I do not know. But in today's context, we use it um, to type other people's personalities, understand uh, who we are better, and get better perspective on uh, how other people might think and uh, approach uh, life. Now, specifically, the five is a personality type that is mostly motivated in wanting to be capable. They have an intense desire to be uh, well-boundaried. They're also usually very cerebral, um, have a dense inner world, and are limited with the amount of energy that they spend. Fives are usually uh, on the quieter side, um, very observant, and take in information, but don't usually let a whole lot out. in movies and TV, they're often portrayed as like the strong, silent type or the nerdy like character. That's a stereotype and generalization, but it's based on some sort of truth. Um, but for me specifically, I relate to this. Uh, this seems to describe at least some part of me, the inner structure, the amount of energy I spend is usually very measured. I usually think about, you know, if I'm going to go to a social event or who I'm spending time with and how much alone time I've had. It's very crucial to me. I take it into large consideration when saying yes or no to things. And my boundaries have always been quite, uh, I guess, high or widespread. I usually have things separated and isolated by themselves so I can handle them in certain contexts at certain times. Uh, I also agree with the fact that, you know, or relate to the inner world of Five's description. I too have many thoughts and inner workings that um, consume me more than uh, my dialogue uh, with other people. I once said to a friend that You know, for every bit of absent dialogue externally, there's a present dialogue internally. Uh, For me, that's just how I work. If I'm not speaking, it's probably because I'm thinking. Um, And that's most of the reasons why I relate to this. But there are many other parts to the Enneagram in which I don't really connect with or feel that's me and that's probably due to my own certain upbringing and um, my 
distinctions outside of my personality. There's also the possibility and there's also the fact, there's also the fact that I'm a wing four. So uh, there's also like adjacent types that affect our core type. So a five would have wings uh, of the four and six. I won't get into it much more than that, but I have a strong four wing. So it makes me um, just a bit more focused on a couple different things. But I wanted to talk about um, just what it's like to be a five, what the mind of a five uh, is like, because it's not something people often get to hear or uh, be revealed to. And if you do know a five in your life and they have revealed their inner workings and their inner mind to you, wow, that is special because they do not do that very often. I do not do that very often. You have to be a very special person to have that revealed. And so, yeah, I think my biggest correlation with being a five and the one I kind of relate to the most about a five and how I actually knew I was a five was, you know, a couple of things, but this one, this factor really stood out the most. And that's that a five's greatest weakness or kind of struggle is with isolation. Um, because of their high boundaries and conservative energy use, they can often be isolated from people and, uh, yeah, deal with that sort of loneliness. And that's the portion which I kind of relate the most to, um, because for almost all of my life, I've felt just weird and alone and different, um, in some way or form, it's come back even at my kind of best and brightest moments. It really, I can really trace it back to even in kindergarten. I remember being dropped off and for some reason, everyone else was already there. My whole entire class was already there playing on the playground and at the tables before I had um, gotten there. And so I arrived and I remember walking into the gates, dropping me off and, you know, it's a new environment. I'm very, um, being observant as a kid, you know, I'm, I'm looking at who's hanging out with who and what, who has the energy and who's, you know, more chill. And, uh, even as a, like a five-year-old, I'm thinking about these things and I'm just kind of taking it all in. And I walk out to the middle of like the patch of grass we have. And it was kind of like a it, a field, but a field for a five-year-old. So it's not huge, but it's, it's, you know, decent. And, or at least I remember it being like that at the time. And the patch of grass is in the middle between the playground and the like tables and then classroom. So table and classrooms on one side to the, to the right. And then the uh, playground and grass to the right. I'm like in the middle and I am, I, I remember walking to the center and just like stopping. Um, because I was walking towards all the kids playing on the playground. Obviously, that seemed a bit, you know, a bit, that seemed enticing to me. But I remember stopping right in the middle and just like turning around. I, I remember getting fearful. I remember thinking it was too much. I remember being like really filled with anxiety right as I was uh, approaching that midpoint going, no, 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 I can't do this. This is too much. Um, kids and all these other, uh, kids my age were just, you know, playing, but it just seemed too much to bear. I didn't know how to integrate 
into that environment smoothly, seamlessly. Uh, I was made uncomfortable. So I walked back and I walked to the tables and the blacktop and I see other people just sitting, just sitting on like the bench. They weren't even talking. They weren't even talking. I think a couple of people were just walking in a circle. Um, and then there's a couple of people on a bench. And again, none of them were talking to each other, which um, I suppose is normal for five-year-olds. I don't, I don't really, I don't really know. But um, I walk over and I see this dude and he's just kind of sitting with his like elbows on his knees looking down. And for whatever reason, um, I chose to ask him to be my friend. I said, will you be my friend? And he looked up and was like, yeah. And then we were friends and I, and we're still friends to this day. So I know kind of, you know, maybe you're thinking, oh, how does this relate to the topic? Well, um, really it's the, um, it's the scene of energy really. It's, um, and kind of my, my path through it. There's a lot of energy, a lot of yelling, screaming, playing tag on the playground, um, which I'm initially attracted to. I'm like, wow, that's a lot going on. Like that's where I should be. And I walk over and I'm about to get there and I'm like, oh, nope, this is like too much. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what's happening. This is kind of crazy. I should walk back. I'm in the middle of the field. Why would I walk back when I'm all the way like through the field? Like, but I, I walk back. I'm just uncomfortable. And so I walk back, go to people with like nothing, like they're not doing anything. They're not having fun. They don't even look like they're having fun. But I see them and I'm like, yeah, this is it. This is where I'm supposed to be. And so I go to the person who is not talking to anyone and who's looking downward. That's who I go to. And that's what drew me. And I'm still friends with that guy to this day. That just, that just, if that doesn't say something about where I like to spend my energy, um, then I don't know what does. And so in this particular case, I ended up, you know, on the plus in the, in the good with a friend by the end. And so that was my first day. And from then on, we were friends. He was in a different class, but you know, we, we, we managed to hang on. Um, but in other circumstances, um, I wasn't so lucky as to have that friend all the time. And so in my class or in I remember being in a youth group that was not my jam at all um, I remember being you know there's people around but it was always like I was alone I would find the space in which I was most comfortable in you know something a bit lower energy something a bit um, smoother uh, less chaotic and more my speed um, but usually that speed wasn't what everyone else kind of liked or was going towards. There was a big culture of, you know, loud, um, energetic, fast, and entertaining. This is what people like, and it's fine. It's just not my thing, right? It's just, um, I just operate a little bit differently. But... In that time, I was really left to my own devices because in that group, I was 
kind of just left to my devices. It was like, oh, he didn't want to join? Okay, cool, like, whatever, like, it was fine. And they just did what they wanted to do, and they didn't need to include me. But because of the way I am and my preferences, which didn't match up with the majority, it ended up that I was left alone a lot of the time. Um, it was just kind of like, oh, they go do something. They go, um, you know, in downtime or in uh, activities. It would be them doing stuff together and then me. Uh, and a few other kids, you know, whom either were non-regulars or, you know, I guess didn't really want to be there. And so, you know, it was me who was not by any by any intention of my own being coming alone. And that sort of continued in many other contexts. Um, in large groups, it's often uh, my feeling and my association that I am alone. Even in this big crowd, like, I am alone. Um, I feel like the ultimate um, observer. Uh, I feel like I watch people and I'm observant, like I said, a observant of energy and personalities. And as I grew older, I became observant of more and more things. But, you know, I'm the one who's observing and other people are, you know, passing by. And it was always just me by myself. Um, I think there's another story that kind of suits uh, a different side of of the five, I guess, and also just of me. Um, I remember being probably no older than like, like I was definitely in elementary school, but I was probably like you know third, fourth grade uh, about, and I remember um, going to church early, and so I was waiting around for you know the Sunday school to start. And I would go into my classroom that I would normally go into, but, you know, it's, there's no lights, there's nobody in there, it's just me because I'm early. And so I get on to a stack of chairs uh, that were in the corner, and I'd sit there, and eventually the lights were timed, and so the lights would shut off. And so I, I'm here in a, you know, box-shaped room, not very big, maybe like... 12 feet by 12 feet and I am sitting on a stack of chairs and I'm perfectly fine there. I'm fine. I'm just sitting in a space in which I'm comfortable and the lights happen to turn off. I'm okay with that. Now there's also like a small window in the room or in the uh on the door. So there's a small window that's kind of more vertical than wide and it's on the door and there's also, you know, like schoolroom supplies. There's like tables, a whiteboard, markers, scissors. And so I remember a teacher, um, someone who's preparing for crafts, uh, needed to come in the room. And so they walked in. The lights, you know, auto turn on. And she walks to the back of the room, grabs the scissors she needs, and she's walking out. And then she looks towards the corner in which I'm sitting, just this, you know, kid sitting on a stack of chairs uh you know knees to chest just staring at her and she's like oh obviously very um very shocked that I'm there haven't said a word and I'm just looking at her and she 
she just goes, are you, are you okay? Are you okay here? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. You know, I'm just glad I just go, yes. So she goes, okay. And then she walks out. Probably, you know, been embarrassing for her. I'm sure being frightened by a small kid in the corner of the room was not what she was expecting. But that just kind of, that was just my place. I just liked it. It was, again, there's some similarities here too. The other stories I'm going to tell is that it was quiet. I was by myself. This one was by choice, like, but for sure by choice. There was other people I could be like hanging out or making friends with. Like that was a very big possibility. But for me, it was a Sunday morning. I've done it a million times. I'm not that kind of person, I guess. And so I went to my room in which I know an area which I was familiar with sat down and just thought about things. You know, I wasn't bored when everyone else was bored. You know, I had probably like two and a half hours to kill um, sitting in that room every Sunday, like every Sunday. And I was never like bored out of my mind. I remember other kids saying like, oh, this sucks. This is so boring. Um, At, you know, many other circumstances or contexts that I haven't mentioned but I remember like many kids that would be a common thing like mom dad when are we to go I'm bored um sitting in the classroom I'm bored like people say that all the time I don't remember saying that very much at all I remember if I was ever bored I would just go into my head if I was bored in the classroom didn't matter because I had my head and my imagination to entertain me I was not phased by the lack of external stimuli. I was okay with the internal dialogue, the internal place. And it wasn't like I was doing some deep reflection or I was, you know, like really thinking about the philosophy of life. Like maybe when I was a teen, but as a, like a elementary schooler, I was just thinking about um, like anything. I was thinking about Batman. I was thinking about the TV shows I watched. I was like, you know, cowboys and and, and Indians and spaceships and dinosaurs like that was my world as a kid and that's just what I did you know um, I could sit in a dark room for hours and not be bothered by any of it and that's kind of what enables I think fives to be alone for so long um, there's like the boundary which naturally puts them in that position but also, there's a deep inner world that keeps them able to do it. They're kind of built for it. I think I'm kind of built for it. Like, out of everyone I know, I'm kind of built for isolation, I feel like. You know, it's interesting to say, um, but I feel like I'm pretty good at it. Um, there's other people who say that they can't live without, you know, certain people, or they would die if I said, if they were they would die if like they were trying to do what I just said, you know, sit in a room by themselves doing nothing. And that's the difference between, I guess, and the district, that's the differentiating factor of fives is that, yeah, we can do that. And it kind of works for us. And related to that inner world being so robust, um, fives that I know and 
myself especially, are people who are either usually very interested in something or not very interested at all. I don't really like to talk about things that aren't interesting to me. The way this works and the background and function behind it is that Fives and myself especially think about things very deeply and intricately, right? There's this inner world. At the time I was a kid, like I mentioned, I was thinking about, you know, spaceships and cowboys, but I would really go into it. I'd go into the detail. I'd go into the interpersonal struggle of the cowboy versus the alien, this invader to his home and uh, the way the gun would work and, and how fast the spaceship would fly and all those things. I got pretty detailed as a kid. That's just how I am wired. It's to go kind of deep into it, uh, really get down to the nitty gritty of anything that I'm interested in. And so there, that same concept applies to conversations with other people um, and other subjects. So when someone talks about something that is, you know, relatively uninteresting to the five, the five will really like be disinterested, uh, maybe be quiet. I know that's something that I do a lot is just be pretty like, you know, like, uh-huh, uh-huh, and just go along with whatever they're saying because I have little input. I don't find it interesting. It's not really something I can dive deep into. And so if it's something I can really kind of play with, you know, mentally, really dive into I know it's kind of being repeated but it's it's really the most descriptive way to describe the way fives are and their interests and that's kind of one of the barriers to entry for a five um, or when getting to know a five is if you're not talking about something they're interested in you're very unlikely to get any further with them because right off the bat you're not making yourself interesting to them. And so they might not want to go any further in that. Or I've seen a lot of times they uh, can switch subjects pretty rapidly to get on to a subject that they are passionate about or interested in. That is a, that's a pretty common way fives kind of get around this if they're proactive enough. Other times they'll, you know, amicably go with you and just go along with whatever you say and not offer much of a response back because they're not interested. They are kind of low energy people. They don't want to extend that information and they will just kind of leave you with that awkward silence or that dead air and things will get awkward real quick. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm sure of that, but uh, it's kind of because they're put in this situation in which they don't usually know how to handle. It's usually their brain that's dominating the conversation within themselves, and they get to just think and think and think about things that they're interested in, whatever subject that may be. Uh, there's really no limit to it. And so can often make them look like a bit of the odd one out. They can often look very out of the ordinary and maybe be looked over more often than others because they just don't have that response that people are looking for. And 
you know, I think that's a real shame because fives are very interesting people um, and I think may often get pegged as uninteresting just because they don't respond in the maybe preferred way. Another thing that I've seen all fives be really consistent with is being independent. All the fives in my life that I know, and myself included, are almost viciously independent. They like to do things on their own, their own way, and they like to be competent at doing that. Like I mentioned in the description of them, they really like to be independent. There's actually a friend I have, and uh, when we meet, um, I usually say like, oh yeah, we'll get there around five and, you know, like we'll eat together. And he doesn't live in the same part of town as me. And so when I ask him to meet me, like we just agree and then I show up and then he shows up, but I don't understand how he gets there because he lives in a different part of town. Um, it's sometimes pretty far for him, but he just kind of, and it's difficult to navigate through uh, his route. And so I just wonder why he didn't say like, oh, let's meet somewhere else or let's uh, meet midway or anything like that. He kind of just meets me there. And I've come to find out to know about him that no matter where it is that we meet, he does research, he like finds the best route, he like finds parking spaces, and he will just show up and like totally just cool about it, like does not, you know, brag about it, but it was a journey for him. He navigated his way like so solidly and just shows up like a pro and is there. That's to me like very kind of crazy because like a lot of times it's also areas that he doesn't know and so he has to do all this kind of background to get there and that's kind of like indicative of what a lot of fives do in a lot of other categories like this is not an isolated event he does this i'm sure for many other things that i just don't see and i'm sort of the same way um when it comes to things I don't know, wanting to be competent in it, wanting to be good at it. And I just find a way, find enough information out there and I just make it work as best I can. And it's never like a bragging point. It's never, some people don't ask about it at all. And that's just kind of built into the personality or the greater scheme of fives. Usually they just do things. And all of a sudden, it's like pretty good. And you're like, wow, I didn't know you did that. Or like you had to do so much work in order to do this thing that I thought was, you know, just what came to you naturally. Fives are kind of sneaky in that way in that they can kind of present themselves as good at things they're really not that great at. They do things that just like take a lot of like, time and effort and they if they put in that effort believe me they'll be like knowledgeable about it and maybe even like very decent or great at it and the fact that fives think a lot um comes back into play here because they're very thorough at thinking about things research 
and really building a wealth of knowledge. This combined with the want to like secure their energy and be you know capable at everything that they do and another thing about the five is to pull the curtain back even more is that fives are usually you know from the outside very unempathetic and almost emotionless but what i found with fives is that and myself especially is that fives usually have a very sensitive core layer which leads them to make all these like boundaries and right conserve energy and isolate themselves at times because they want to protect themselves from all these different you know things in the world that might kind of step on or poke or aggravate or damage that sensitive core usually fives are pretty good feelers they feel things very strongly and that's usually covered up by the amount of kind of cerebral nature that they have and the of the things they say i remember talking to a five and being like wow i cannot get to the emotional side of you like there's just no way i'm going to reach that because I ended up saying this because it was just so hard for him to get to that place because I don't think he thought about that very much. Um, it's usually buried, like I said, under thick walls and layers that fives don't even know that they have. Um, they just, at this point, think that's them. But fives are actually very emotional um, or sensitive. I remember in my life that... A way in which I got around emotions was by thinking about things in a detached and objective manner. So when someone would come to me with a, you know, problem that they had or some sort of emotional distress, I would usually pick up on that but be very dissuaded by it. I, I wouldn't like to deal with that. Again, too much for me. I don't want to deal with that. So what I would do was <laughs> I would look at the situation and kind of try to solve it. I'd ask, oh, well, did you try this? Or if you said that, maybe next time you could say this. And it was more of a play of getting to fix the problem rather than hear the person out or come for that person. Because that really wasn't my mode of operation at the time. It was really just about um, getting away from that. It was more about fixing the way the situation in a way that would both benefit that person and allow me to not talk about uh, their emotions for the time being. I remember doing that for people whom were in like great deals of distress and so it really overwhelmed me when they came to me out of all of a sudden and looking for some sort of comfort. Again, not something that I back then was very accustomed to or knew how to deal with but I think that my sensitivity has come out a lot more since then I think I, like for me I feel especially almost hypersensitive to things at this point in my life I pick up on very small things as an observer as a five whom you know is 
just looking at the world, taking in a lot of things and figuring things out, I, I pick up on this and it becomes important to me and it becomes something of sensitive nature. I forgot to mention this in the beginning, but fives are actually called the investigator. That's kind of their name. Um, sometimes the observers, this comes from their kind of, or our main function, our main kind of state of being, which is to observe a lot. It's to observe the surroundings, people, um, observe data, facts, and really absorb all there is. Again, it's going to be really hard to separate that from any five, that nature of consuming really usually through the eyes, through the ears, the, all the senses, really just taking in what's out there to populate their minds with things and thoughts and theories. That's where it all goes. And it's usually synthesized into something or other uh, at some point. But um, yeah, a lot of consumption. I've read also um, in my research that fives have also been that fives are also prone to hoarding things. I, mean, I think hoarding is the wrong word, but just like keeping too much to themselves because they don't want to release, I guess, all the trappings and vulnerable states and thoughts and things that go on on the inside. And so that's something that I have, I guess, seen something that I have seen for myself in some cases. I don't think that that's been my main problem or my main issue that I keep a lot of things to myself. I think that that's one of the things that I've either been less hindered by or have really grown in in a fast way because I, I really don't have any recollection of that being the greatest stumbling block I ever had. But of the type, it seems to be widely considered the trait that is most disadvantageous because it really doesn't let people in and it really makes the five a island. And like the saying goes, no man can be an island. And it's sort of the I guess, stepping stone for isolation or barriers, boundaries to become too high or too robust for other people, right? There's just a collection of things coming in uh, through different channels, but nothing coming out. It's kind of like this castle where things come in, but they never come out or some mystical other metaphor like maybe a cave, like things go in the cave, but nothing returns out. That's sort of, um, I guess, a picture of what it might be like. And one of the last things I wanted to cover in this was the triad that the five falls into. Uh, in the Enneagram, there's three categories, you know, subcategories of personalities that all have this one kind of trait. And that all kind of have this one weakness. And for the five, that's the category is called the head and the 
weakness or kind of struggle is with fear. And so this comes from the amount of thought that we do um, and the amount of observation we have and the lack of energy that we have or the limited amount thereof makes us think and then our thinking gets construed and we become fearful of things in the world and things outside of our control because we can't really account for that and so we become fearful it's kind of like what we do under stress you know under stress fives get fearful Um, for other types it's different but for the five six and seven when under stress we get frightened and that's kind of you know i don't know i don't know really if frightens the word but fearful anxious um and withdrawn in case of the five i will often distract myself when stressed so that means like a lot of tv shows and movies and videos to watch to get my mind off whatever stress it is i i know when i'm stressed i feel very at unease uneasy and i feel kind of uh jittery or like i can't sit still and that i kind of need to do something but i can't do what i normally do because thinking is like what i normally do but then if i think then i become more fearful and so i have to not think which is against the grain in which i go and so distraction is the next step to negate that if i just consume enough my other function just consuming then i'll you know won't be completely consumed by fear and that's not the healthiest way of dealing with things the Enneagram points that out and refers us to take our challenges more head-on and not be so burdened by fear. And like the other fear types, there's a sort of recommended course of action for that fear. Um, And every single type has its struggle and its kind of recommended action to take from there. But for the five, yeah, it's really to um, not shy away from it, kind of take it more head-on, knowing that there's enough to be sustained by and there is enough to be um, relied on. You know, there's things outside of ourselves that can aid us and that, you know, if we give, things will come back to us. And so that's been the Ponderer podcast. I really hope you enjoyed um, listening to this wherever or whenever you may be listening to this. And if you like this, uh, stick around because there's going to be much more uh, to come on personality and stories of mine and my experiences with all the things that kind of make me uncomfortable. And I hope you're interested in that and willing to join me again for it. So feel free to email me at theponderpodcast at gmail.com with any questions, comments, or topic suggestions. I hope you enjoyed this episode and thanks for listening.